One in seven women experience postpartum depression. Studies show that new mothers of color have rates of postpartum depression as high as 38%, compared with 19% rate for all new mothers. My name is Dr. Karina Steni, And I'm Dr. Pindila Erika Chowa. And this is Hey Doc, Let's Chat. Welcome, welcome back to our show, guys. Welcome back, guys. I know you missed us. I know you did. But we are back. We are back, back, back and ready to talk. Let's dialogue. (laughs) Yes. And today's topic is going to be about postpartum depression. Yeah, we're going to dive in. Yes. But before we do so, can we share with the audience what we've been up to? I know that you recently celebrated your daughter's birthday. Yeah. Little Tendo is now one years old. <laughs> she is now one, a full one. Oh my goodness, it just gives me goosebumps and oh so much so many emotions. But um yeah, she is one. Wow. We celebrated her birthday. It was amazing. Yes, <laughs> we missed you I there. Saw, <laughs> I know, I know. I wish uh, I could have been there. I saw the pictures. She looks beautiful. Thanks, and it looks girl. like you had a lot of fun. <laughs> oh yeah, we had tons of fun. It was awesome. That's awesome. And I know <laughs> that uh, it hasn't always been so easy and fun, right? The mm-hmm. journey to motherhood. So I wanted to ask you um, how your experience was, especially uh, right after you had your beautiful daughter. Now that we're talking about postpartum depression, um, especially in women of color, I do know that um, it wasn't always easy for you. Do you mind sharing with us a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I think this is such an important topic to really address because I'm sure I'm not the only one who has had these experiences. And not the only woman of color, not the only black woman who's experienced this. But I think talking about it is super, super important because at some points I felt alone. So I will say the way I entered into motherhood, it was super, super rocky. Um, I had a rough pregnancy. It was not fun. Had preterm contractions, um, you know, one episode of bleeding here and there. I mean, I was very uncomfortable. And when I finally delivered the baby, it wasn't, you know, the joyous event. My baby was quickly rushed to the neonatal intensive care unit. Um, where mm. she required uh, oxygen support. She had a little machine um, that helped her breathe for a period of time because she had aspirated some of the amniotic fluid into her lungs. So she spent some time in the ICU. And so I had problems with that. And, you know, breastfeeding didn't go as I planned. And, you know, there were just so many things that um, just sort of were in the path of that experience that everybody you know shares you know where motherhood is so lovely and so yeah it just it wasn't that um great of an experience actually and I remember coming home and I always talk about this I actually told my friend this this past weekend but she came to visit me after I had the baby and I remember her saying she said 
isn't this just so awesome? Don't you just feel so amazing? Isn't this everything that you've ever wanted? And I remember just being like, you know, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> so excited. But deep down in my heart, I just... I did not feel that. And in fact, when she left, I cried. I spent um, that entire day crying because I was overwhelmed. I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what do you think stopped you from sharing what, how you were truly feeling? Well, I don't really think I knew what I was feeling. Um, I think mm. some of the feelings and experiences that I had shortly after delivering the baby, I just felt, well, you know, maybe this is all hormonal and, um, you know, it's it all shall pass. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I initially didn't feel that uh, bond with the baby that, you know, some mothers describe. I felt a little bit detached a little bit. I loved her and I was so happy I carried her. But there were so many things about that interaction that were new to me and, and strange. And so I think I didn't know what I was feeling. And so as the months went by and you know, all the breastfeeding issues and all the other issues were going by, I did not know how I wasn't really in touch with what I was experiencing. And even though we learn about it in school and medical school, you go mm-hmm. through all these things, but there was something within me, something about how I was raised that did not allow me to really speak on those things. And so mm-hmm. I really sort of um, managed it sort of wrong. I don't, I, I don't think I dealt with it in the appropriate situation. So it really... I lashed out. It came out in my relationships with friends, Mm -hmm. my husband. And so there were so many things that I didn't know what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And when that bulb finally went off, when it was like, okay, I need help. It was, I think, one day I was, my husband and I got in a fight or something. And I just started bawling and I just started crying. I was in tears. I, I could mm-hmm. not stop crying, could not stop myself from crying. And um, it was far along enough where I was like, okay, I don't think this is really hormonal anymore. Yes. And something yes. else is going on. So, yeah, but, you know, I, I could talk forever, but. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah. what you are sharing with us is actually uh, very profound because a lot of women do experience um, the same struggle. Actually, there are many studies that show that women of color are less likely likely to seek mental mm-hmm. health treatment yep, I believe due to it. <laughs> cultural barriers and stigma, you know, and those barriers are, are real and it can definitely impact your perception of what's happening with you when you are in it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, as an OBGYN, I see women coming to me all the time and as soon as I sit down with them and I start the dialogue, I can sense, you know, the barrier. Even, you can sense their energy will just change as soon as you mm-hmm. dive into the topic of mental health and what's happening. There's a lot of guilt around those emotions they feel Mm -hmm. like they should be excited and over the moon and when they don't experience those emotions they feel very guilty Mm -hmm. and they think that is a reflection of their uh, ability to be a good mother which is absolutely false and hence the reason why we're having these conversations so that we can break 
down those barriers. So, I think that it's good that you, I'm sorry Karen, to interrupt you, I think it's good mm-hmm. that you as an OBGYN are able to recognize that there are some barriers, in particularly some cultural barriers when you talk to your, your patients because sometimes, you know, um, people may not recognize that. I know, and we probably will dive into this later, but when they were, when I went to see my doctor post-op, I mean, not post-op, but after having the baby and also took my daughter to the pediatrician's office, they bo- they had us take that um, Edinburgh uh, depression scale, um, postpartum mm-hmm. depression screen. And, and um, when I took that screen, I scored pretty highly on it. And the doctor asked me, you know, how do you, oh, you, you scored pretty high on it. You, um, do you need any help or how do you, you know? And I think I was like, oh, I'm just dealing with stuff, but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm okay. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, you know, normal stuff is pregnancy stuff. It yeah. shall pass. And then she was like, okay. And we moved right past it. And I don't know if that was because of maybe the relationship or maybe she felt that oh you're a doctor that you don't need yes it, you know yes and i bet and i bet you it's because you're a doctor mm. and i tell you like a lot of times when you walk in with that professional hat regardless of whether or not you're a doctor or a lawyer as soon as you come in with that professional hat that gives you um, that that makes people portray you a certain way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they forget that you also a patient, mm-hmm. you know. And and for you too, it's hard to remove that hat and just walk into the shoes of a patient and be like, at this very moment, mm-hmm. I am just a patient with such and such issues. And it's very, it's very, it's. I like that you mentioned that because I'm pretty sure that I've had the same biases towards um, my patients that mm-hmm. were. Um, physicians as well but now I, I I pause and I say listen between you and I there's no shame in the game like mm-hmm. just let's talk <laughs> like, what's happening and for you I'm interested to um understand like how did you finally recognize that listen there's something going on here that I may not be able to address by myself and Mm. how did you break the code of silence regarding this issue so um you know I think when I was going through my emotions I remember trying to talk to my husband and my mm. you know my my husband you know he's an african man Corinne. so like you know and he's very much about the fact so i could tell talking to him even though he was there for me that he just didn't you know he was just like it's hard babe you know uh yeah having in his loving way in his loving <laughs> way you know but i think for him he, he couldn't quite really understand at that moment what I was going through and then I remember then going to my mom and I talked to her about this so this is not a surprise she's not going to hear this for the first time but I talked to her and I said you know mommy I'm feeling really sad and I remember I told my aunt too I said I'm feeling really sad and you know I, I feel I'm feeling down and I'm, I'm not really having good thoughts and I think that you know I you know maybe I need to talk to somebody I don't I don't know and you know, my mom's response was like, no, talk to somebody. Who do you want to talk to? We're here. You know, like, you don't. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I think I need to go seek out, like, professional help. And my mom was like, no, Sissy, you know, we, you just need to pray. You you just need to pray. And, you know, we've all been through this. You know, we all, how do you think some of us survived? We made it. You know, you, you can mm-hmm. do this. 
You know, you mm-hmm. can do this. Just, that is very just, African-like. <laughs> <laughs> you can do this. Just, just pull yeah. it together. You know, pull, yes. pull it together and get it together. You know, pray, pray, and pray. And pray okay. And so yeah. I remember, and nothing against prayer. You know, I, I, I'm mm-hmm. also, you know, religious, believe in prayer. But I think at that minute, that's not really what I needed to hear. Um, I, I don't yeah. think prayer at that point, um, was what I wanted to hear. And plus, you know, you asked me, you know, when I, when I finally got to that point where I was like, okay, I need help. And I don't really talk too much about this, but I was starting to have some some darkish thoughts. Okay. Like yeah, I was yeah. having some really dark thoughts um, that, you know, even still I sort of battle with now. I'm like, Ooh, how can I even think about that? You know? And mm-hmm. you start to think about, you know, how the baby has sort of um, changed your life. And, you know, mm-hmm. what if baby wasn't here? You know, some really, yeah. really dark thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so I think at that point, um, I ended up talking to one of my uh, co-workers who completely neutral party, but she was really there for me and my husband when the baby was born. She's a pediatrician. And I remember, I think I talked to her I reached out and she immediately called me um and obviously made sure that I wasn't suicidal but um Mm -hmm. and she gave me some resources and just was there for me as a friend and you know I think I finally got the courage to email my um OBGYN and then I was seen Mm -hmm. in clinic um Mm -hmm. where you know the process began yeah well, that's uh, that's really intense. I'm and I'm I'm very thankful that you are so transparent and honest with this because it's not an easy it's not an easy topic. So, I actually uh, see a lot of women who um, report similar symptoms, and one thing that breaks my heart is the feeling that the most of them share, which is they feel alone. Mm. They feel alone, which yeah. it shouldn't. It, it shouldn't be. You know, it shouldn't be, especially at that stage of your life. You know, and what I um, I, I encourage them to do is to be honest with mm-hmm. their emotion and be okay with the help that is available. And I think eventually, um, most of them. Um, understand that it is not something to be ashamed of Mm -hmm. and I can only imagine how it was for you you know so what I wanted to um share with the audience at this point is we're talking about these symptoms is how do you actually recognize the signs and symptoms of um postpartum depression Mm -hmm. you mentioned few of them that are pretty um significant which are essentially surrounding the state of depression, the Mm -hmm. severe mood swings. Because I have to point out that postpartum blues are are, is something that happens like that can that anyone can experience, but it shouldn't last. Typically when we start to be concerned about postpartum depression is when we observe this, that severe symptoms are lingering. And mm-hmm. those symptoms usually will last more than two weeks and up to a year. Yeah. And so to uh, 
get back to those symptoms, like you had mentioned before, the depressed mood and the severe like mood swings is mm-hmm. something that is very special specific to that the excessive crying you find yourself crying a lot and you can't even explain why you're feeling this way why you're feeling so emotional the difficulty bonding with your child is something (laughs) that resonates with most women that have experienced postpartum depression you also find that um uh, a woman who is experiencing postpartum depression can be withdrawn and have and will have difficulty talking to her friends and family. Yeah. And to add to that, you have the changes in appetite, the overeating or the not eating enough, the overwhelming fatigue, mm-hmm. the sense of irritability and anger, the severe anxiety, the panic attacks, yeah. and ultimately the thoughts of hurting or harming herself or the baby. Those are symptoms that should not be ignored. Once you start to experience that, you must pause and ask yourself, what is going on? Do I need to talk to someone? Yeah. And the answer is yes, absolutely. Yeah. You need to talk to someone. And yeah. for those loves, though the loved one around us, it's also important for them to recognize that those symptoms, you know. And there is a rare form of um, postpartum depression that's called postpartum psychosis. I'm mm. sure you've seen it, um, where it's a very serious condition where a woman would just present in a state of almost delusion with confusion and disorientation and hallucinations. Mm. That's very scary. And those women are a danger to themselves and people around them, including their baby. So I just wanted to make sure that we put it out there. So now, with that being said, what are your thoughts um, on the screening tools that we have available? Do you think that they capture um, most women or do you think that they could be tweaked a little bit to be a little bit more sensitive to the different the, the different cultures that we have in our society. So, I mean, I, I think they're, you know, they're screening tools or so they're not perfect, but mm-hmm. I think it, you know, uh, providers need to go beyond the screening tool and really think about the, um, the person as an entire person. And so, you know, here's, uh, you know, an African-American woman who's coming to your practice, whether it's a pediatrician who's screening or whether it's, you know, the OBGYN midwife who's screening, you know, here's this entire person who's coming in and maybe they're filling out this Edinburgh score and, you know, it maybe it's, you know, they're scoring low or in the middle somewhere. I think Mm -hmm. for a really good provider to um, adequately screen, they have to talk to the patient and really find out, you know, how is your support system? You know, how Mm -hmm. is your husband being supportive? Do you have people around you who are being supportive? If you, have you had any changes in, you know, being yourself, you know, are you finding that, you know, you're yelling or lashing out and and fighting more with your friends or your husband or, you know, do you um, have other challenges? Do you have other children Mm -hmm. who are feeling neglected or are you having difficulty bonding with this child or your other kids? And really thinking about the cultural um, 
uh, or looking at the patient from a different perspective and thinking about how their culture plays into play, how their religion. And because I, I honestly feel sometimes, you know, I hear when people, one of the things um, when I work in the hospital in terms of um, mental illness is when some of these patients come in, these patients of color, when they come in and they're like, well, God told me so, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, 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 the Lord wants me to walk this way. And people sort of are like, OK, well, she's crazy. No, mm-hmm. she may not be crazy, you know. Like that, you have to think about, you know, that person's culture, the religion, and you really have to decipher and remove that from your own bias and say, okay, well, this person, you know, sees things from this perspective, you know, they're religious, they grew up in this culture. So what I think may be absurd and crazy, that may not necessarily, you know, go uh, with them. And I do think that's where the importance of, you know, cultural awareness, where, Mm-hmm. really um, trying to find uh, providers who um, are looking at people from a whole person and looking at people from their uh, um, social aspects, their uh, religious aspects, not just thinking, okay, one size fits all because it doesn't, especially in mental illness where a lot of black women underreport their symptoms. We have to do better. I mean, look at the statistics you just said. I mean, yeah, obviously yeah. we're missing something and you know, if me being in the healthcare system, me, you know, being a black woman, African woman, had a really hard time coming to terms with how I felt, you know, I can't imagine other women of color and, and how they're struggling and suffering in silence right now. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's what you are touching on. It's, uh, in fact, cultural nuances, mm-hmm. right? And so they actually, they actually have some research that touched on that, especially when it comes to culture. Like we find that African American women use the term depression very differently. Mm. They, they usually don't even, if you think about us as African women, like, do we even have the term depression in uh. our tribal tongues? <laughs> it doesn't exist, you know? And it's, it's it's just it's just to show how far it goes, and most most people of color will tell you in a different way that they're not feeling good. Mm-hmm. It's not always the case that they use the term depression, but they will express depression symptoms, mm-hmm. but in a different way. If you don't pay attention to those cultural nuances, you will find that those screening tools are not necessarily reflecting what's happening. And that's hence the reason why you see those um, discrepancies in in the rates of postpartum depressions in mm-hmm. um, a woman mm-hmm. of color, right? So that's very, that's culture here is very important. Yeah. And, and you know, the other thing that I was thinking of is how about the system in itself? Like, how do you feel about um, the fear that um, women report sometimes when it comes to the welfare system? Yeah. I mean, have you well, ever thought about that? <laughs> I mean, well, one of the things when, when I work in the emergency department and a mom brings their kid who, you know, fell and they end up having a fracture or they, or something happened, you know, you could tell how nervous people get, you know, with as, as, mm-hmm. like because they're scared. Are they going to take my baby away? Like, yes. are they going to think that I'm a bad mom because I didn't do this? And so then people start to come up with lies. And I remember so many times in residency being like, look, mom, I'm not going to judge you. Things happen. We understand. 
you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, yeah, I grabbed him too hard when we were going and, you know, he ended up breaking his arm, but I didn't mean any harm. I'm like, it's okay, you know? And so mm-hmm. I really do feel like, you know, if women maybe have, are fearing taking this test or, or actually answering appropriately because they feel that maybe somebody's going to take their baby away. And so yes. I definitely um, can see women underreporting for that reason because the system hasn't always been great um, to uh, women of color. And so there is some fear behind that. So I would definitely um, not put that past why women don't report. For sure. Yeah, and I think and I think it's an area of opportunity for us. You know, it's so we we can actually reassure those women because when I see a woman who gives me her score and it's zero, Erica, she doesn't even <laughs> has had one tear. I'm like, Girl, I don't believe it. You haven't cried one time. You know that one night you just couldn't do it, it because you didn't sleep. Yeah, you know and and. I, and I sit down. I'm like, listen. I I, I know I'm not a mother, but yeah. I can. I know it's not easy. And let's just be real. Let, forget about this score. What's going on? A mm-hmm. zero. You have nothing to report. And that's when you can actually tap into and answer um, the the fears that they can have and actually mm-hmm. reassure them. I think it's an area of opportunity for us as providers. You know, sure. creating a relationship where the patient feels safe and connected to us um, regardless of our differences culturally and and, uh, race-wise you know for sure for sure I would I would love to actually hear from you know our listeners and if anybody's actually experienced uh, some some of these symptoms or postpartum depression and really what the challenges were when it came to reporting to the doctor because I know some of our listeners now are are listening and they're like oh my goodness that was me so but I'd be curious Corinne you know yeah yeah definitely definitely so if I had to ask you one last question before we close up (laughs) (laughs) what did you learn from your experience um, as you became a new mother and uh, what would you tell to your younger self having gone through postpartum depression Mm. I think that I would have sought help earlier because Mm -hmm. I definitely found my relationships were really really strained and You know, I think my friends probably tried to reach out or tried, but I think I really found um, it difficult to seek out help. And so I would say I would be more in tune with my feelings if, you know, I am blessed to have another child and go through this. I think I would be more in tune with um, my feelings and really seek out help earlier and I think also just support system one of the things and I won't be too long but one of the things that I found to help with my depression was a support system and really telling people what you need from them you know and I think Mm -hmm. this whole um, I'm a African woman you know and my Mm -hmm. mom did it all she raised three kids and worked three jobs and you know and, and, and still cooked for my dad and all her kids every day you know 
I was yeah. like, well, you know, I, I try to be, I, I'm, I'm a doctor. I work all the time. You know, realistic expectations, I think. Like, mm -hmm. I thought that I could do it all. I can take care of this baby all by myself. And then I could clean the house and I can cook. And, you know, I really had to be like, nah, you know what, babe, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And I had to spell it out to my husband. You know, I need, yeah, and mom, I need you to do, help me with this. And, you know, friends, I may not be with you every day. I may not hang out with you, but this is what I need from you. And, and this is how I need you to support me. And that's hard for me because I wasn't raised that way, but I had to learn to mm -hmm. do that and still learning how to do that, how to really have people support me. And so that's, I think, um, what I definitely took out of this whole experience. Yeah. And that's that's very um, that's powerful because it shows not only growth but also a, a degree of humility in the mm. process, right? Because we are learning that it is there is no weakness in asking for help. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it is in your weakest state that you find your greatest strength. Amen. And, amen. And <laughs> I think that I when I observe you going through this um, process. I had the deepest respect for how you handle it because mm. I I don't know if I, I would have had the same courage to speak my truth and be like, this is hard. I need help. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and I think that um, it's important for us as friends um, when we when we witness that to be as supportive as we can, but supportive in a way that is meaningful to you because we may not always know what you need and yeah. it is in you opening and sharing your needs that we can actually step up and be like okay I'm going to be there in the way that she needs me to be there so um, so yeah. thanks for sharing thanks oh, for sharing thank you I'm so happy we did this talk <laughs> this was therapeutic <laughs> we had a therapy oh, moment here we really did but, <laughs> so I would like to um, share this with our audience so that they have um, some information in case we have someone out there who is experiencing postpartum depression one make sure that you um you speak up mm -hmm. reach out you are not alone and the people around you are just waiting they're waiting to help mm -hmm. and make sure that you reach out to your healthcare provider, whomever it is, it could be OBGYN, it could be the pediatrician you're going to see tomorrow for the baby's visit, but do share what's happening so that you could be helped. Also, there's a helpline that you can call for postpartum. It's called it's called the Postpartum Support International Helpline, and it is at one 944 Four seven seven three. You can also call um, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline if you ever feel like hurting yourself, because there's there will be someone out there to help you. Mm -hmm. So the number you can reach is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. And I hope you receive this message in love from our hearts to yours. Thank you for tuning in. This was Hey Doc, Let's Chat with Drs. Choa and Tani. Until next time.